0: Today on Abounding Grace, we enter into a discussion on the manifestation of tongues. When the manifestations of tongues are exercised, it blesses the person exercising it, not the body. It's primarily a self edifying gift. It is a unique gift, edifying ourselves, a personal way of worship and adoration to God, a prayer language. God enables believers through tongues to communicate to Him in the Spirit bypassing the narrow channel of the intellect. Tongues is a very precious, valuable gifting and manifestation of the Spirit that He gives to some, not all.
1: This is amazing grace. This is- gifts of tongues and prophecy continues to be at the center of great controversy in the church, but God never intended it to be that way. Have we totally missed the point of why these manifestations of the Spirit were given? Join us for an important study in 1 Corinthians 14 today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the process of taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today, we discover some valuable instruction
0: regarding a couple of gifts that are greatly misunderstood and misapplied. Looking at this section of 1 Corinthians, we have three chapters on the manifestations of the Spirit, supernatural giftings of the Holy Spirit that God gives through His Holy Spirit sovereignly to believers. There's chapter 12, chapter 14, and then right in the middle is a chapter on supernatural agape love. Like a sandwich. you got manifestations. All the context of these last three chapters, or the last two chapters, and then the one we look at tonight is on the manifestations of the Spirit. And I love that about God. You look for this, you'll see it throughout the Scriptures, and that is God loves to give balance, He balances things out, manifestations of the spirit, how wonderful it is. Look how God works. But in between, don't forget. Don't forget, don't depart, don't leave, don't try without the agape love of God. The right perspective. That's balance. Another way of looking at balance doctrinally is the right perspective. That's why as we study through the scriptures in their entirety... We get all the topics that God desires to teach on, all things pertaining to life and godliness, in their context and how often they're repeated. Because for pastors, it's very easy for us to get on a favorite topic and use the pulpit and the ministry to teach on that favorite topic all the time. But when you go through the scriptures, you allow the topics that are favorite to God be taught in their balance, in their context. And you'll see that throughout the scriptures. Without love, all spiritual activity is worthless. What's the point? The pathway of love, we've learned, is far superior than the pathway of power, especially spiritual power. Any movement, any church, any leader that elevates the power of God more than the love of God is imbalanced. Is the power of God without the love of God isn't power at all. Not being used according to the will of God. And we're not to gauge a person's spirituality. I don't know if you notice, it's very easy to gauge a person's spirituality by their giftings. For instance, you may think mistakenly that the person that teaches is more valuable to the body of Christ than the person that prays, for example, praying in their prayer closet where they have a ministry of prayer, and because the person that teaches gets all the face time, has the ability to communicate and talk in this way, there might be that a misunderstanding or an assumption that, well, you know, the teacher's more important, but that person praying is just as important. And that person serving with their gifting is just as important. We saw that, that everyone has a place in the body. We don't gauge a person's spirituality or value by their giftedness or how much attention they get. You know how we judge it? By love. Their gauge of effectiveness is the amount of love that flows through their lives. Listen, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And by this, Jesus said, all will know that you're my disciples. Not by all the crazy activity happening in the gathering like this, but by love by a balanced approach to love. Now, putting the three chapters together, we need to remember how they fit. There's a word for that. It's called context. We want to remember the context of what we're learning. Paul is instructing the church in the city of Corinth. That's why it's called 1 Corinthians. He's instructing the church in Corinth how to conduct themselves when they come together in the worship service, when they gather together in the larger service, like we are right now. That's what we're doing. We're gathering together together This is one of the larger times of services that all the believers are able to come together. Paul is instructing the church then and also us now how we're to conduct ourselves, what it's supposed to look like, or more so what it's supposed to not look like to correct the bad behaviors of the believers in Corinth. We're not separate when we come together. This isn't a gathering of individuality. This is a gathering of unity. When we come together, it's a time of unity. We're unified as believers in the spirit receiving from him. Now, some of you are gathered together in the unity of the saints, but you're not a saint. You're you're not saved yet. You you haven't repented of your sins. You, You haven't given your life over to God. You haven't bowed the knee and worshiped Jesus as your savior, followed him and lived for him as your Lord. You're still a part of the group, but you can't share in that unity yet. You can see it. You can even experience it. You could even sing the songs. You could follow along and one of the songs just really blesses you. It, It really touches you. You could even do that. But until you bow the knee to Jesus, you're not part of the family. You're just an outsider looking in or an outsider that's come in to look. And for that, we are very grateful. For that, you are very welcome. But understand, the more you come in and out of a gathering of the saints like this without repenting or turning away from your sin the harder your heart gets automatically. It's the process. The more you come in and out, in and out, I heard that, I heard that, yeah, maybe next time. The heart, your heart toward the things of God gets harder. And God is working on it and he wants to take his word, which is what we study verse by verse. We take through this Bible, it's very relevant to your life. We look at it verse by verse. We explain not only what it means, but what it means for us today. And God wants to take his word and pierce your heart, (laughs) right to your heart. And that's why sometimes you go, whoa, whoa. As some, sometimes you have an attitude toward a pastor, like, you can't say that. <laughs> yes, I can. Because <laughs> God is using me to say it to you. And I love the fact that you're getting, I'm getting a response from you from the word of God. We as believers are really used to that. We're actually expecting a response. We open the Bible and we, we want a response. We're not just reading it, well, okay, yes, I want to get that. We want to hear from God. And I believe you do as well. So before you leave tonight, as you gather, as you come in to this gathering of unity where you see a group of people on the night before Thanksgiving, well, what are they doing? Yeah, we're worshiping Jesus just like we did yesterday, just like we're gonna do tomorrow. Truly for us, every day is a day of Thanksgiving. there's There's so much to thank God for in our lives and I'm very thankful that our country takes a day away. I, I, I pray that it, it really, God uses it to remind people, hey, we're not just thanking some distant deity or the trees out in our backyard. We're thanking God, the creator, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that in our errant ways and our rebellious ways, he would say, no, no, I, I've made a way for you to come back to me. And I'm thankful for that, but as believers, we're thankful every day. As we come together as Christians, we're in unity in the spirit. And we want to in small ways, give preference to one another in that unity. That's one of the reasons, I I don't know if you realize this, but it's one of the reasons why we ask you, would you please turn off or put on vibrate your cell phones? We used to say pagers, but very few people carry pagers. There are a few still, but your cell phones. the, The ringers are fun, and I'd even like to dance to them, but not during service. And they tend to ring. If you're here long enough, you'll notice they tend to go off right at the worst time. Right when the service is starting to come to an end and the Holy Spirit's starting to draw people, somebody's theme from Star Wars starts going off. Okay, so you guys all, you guys have those ringers, so. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it comes at just the wrong time. And so we ask you, in preference to one another, every time you do that, you may not even realize, but you are giving preference to one another. So that the Bible study for some people, you need to realize this is Wednesday night. This is the only hour they have of Bible study a week. Their lives are just crazy. They're all fall over. They can't turn on the radio. They got this over here. It's, this is it. So we want to focus on this. It's an extra time. It's an important time. So we ask you, turn your cell phones off. We ask you, if you choose, and you have that freedom to choose to bring your children into the sanctuary, fine. But if they become a disruption to those around you, then we ask you, give preference to the people around you. Let them not become a distraction. They're your kids. Let them not climb over the seats and run over here and throw their toys up in the air and play with rattles. I I remember back in the school, way back in the beginning, there was a precious family that decided that they were going to bring their baby into the sanctuary, which was the cafeteria. And there was probably not more than 100 chairs set up. And they decided, they asked me, you know, is it okay to bring, oh, no problem. And I gave them the say, just, just, you know, be quiet. And 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 if your baby disrupts, we didn't really have anything for them to do. They, you know, so they'd have to go outside if they needed to. You know what they did? They brought in their whole nursery and set it up in the back of the sanctuary or back of the room, which wasn't much, you know, it was only like maybe four or five rows, six rows from here. That's how big it was. It wasn't very big. And then they were back there laying on the floor with them playing with the rattle and playing with the baby and it's like oh it only happened one week (laughs) and we go hey I understand what you're trying to do but it's a distraction and and they understood fully but we need to walk in here with preference for one another It's a great opportunity for us. It's not because we don't like your kids. We love your kids. It's not because we don't love your ringtones. We love your ringtones. But what we love more is to present Jesus and edify his saints and and help unbelievers see the love of Jesus. And there are things that we can do in a real small way that will express our love for one another and our preference for one another, simple demonstrations of love that you may not have even known was a demonstration of love. And after describing in chapter 13 the display of love we looked at previously, he goes back to teaching us how spiritual gifts are to operate, in particular prophecy and tongues, how they're to operate in the gathering like this, the larger gathering. So let's pick up and work our way through chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love. The idea there is to go after it. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It You want to go after love, desire, or earnestly want spirituals. You notice the word gifts is in italics, spiritual, spiritual things. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Don't miss that. That is a definition of tongues. When a person speaks in tongues, they speak to God, not to man. If you ever see some fake demonstration of tongues where there's a guy on one side of the stage yelling tongues over at a guy on the other side of the stage, it is not tongues. It is two guys jibber-jabbing to one another. That's it. Tongues is always addressed to God. Never addressed to man. Ever. So when a person speaks in tongues, he speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries, For he, but, he, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Another definition. The definition of a true prophecy is one that's going to build up edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Desire these special gifts. Desire them. Desire to be used by the Lord so that people in the gathering context will experience edification. People will be built up. People will be moved on. People will be stirred up people will be cheered up. People, as we gather, will be built up and we won't watch someone in their uh, relationship with God be personally edified, but they will be, we will all share in that strength and building up one another. And you'll see the the differences between the two if you want to jot it down. First of all, there, there is a different direction in these particular giftings. One is to God, the other is from God to man. One is to God, tongues. The other one is from God to man, prophesy. Secondly, there's a difference in understanding. One is understood by God, one is understood by men. And then thirdly, there is a difference in edification. One is edifying to the person exercising it, and the other is edifying to the body. That's what Paul's saying in these first three verses. Verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, sometimes when you're reading through, you want to note words that are repeated. And four times already I've seen the New King James, the word edify or edification is repeated. It's there in verse 3. It's there twice in verse 4. It's there again in verse 5. And, and there's another phrase used in verse 6. Shall I profit? Same idea. How am I going to help you? Same idea of edification. Don't miss that. When the manifestations of tongues are exercised, it blesses the person exercising it, not the body. It's primarily a self-edifying gift. It is a unique gift, edifying ourselves, a personal way of worship and adoration to God, a prayer language. God enables believers through tongues to communicate to him in the spirit, bypassing the narrow channel of the intellect. Now, this study goes together with our last study because we explain this in depth. Tongues is a very precious, valuable gifting and manifestation of the spirit that he gives to some, not all. And so often we can't find words to express our feelings that rise from within of our spirit and God will show up and make a way to begin to express. Jot this down. No, let's turn there. Hold your places in 1 Corinthians. Turn over to Romans chapter eight. Let me show you a scripture here. It's a good cross reference. Romans is just a few pages over to the left. The Spirit helps us in our prayers and our desire to communicate. Grab the study earlier when we looked at the manifestation of tongues and interpretation in tongues, because we explained that in depth. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be. Uttered. There is an inability in us to utter them, but the Spirit of God comes and enables us. This gifting, very important. Now, because of the definition of the manifestation of tongues, it's very important to understand. It is a limited-use gifting. It is limited to be used within the gatherings of the saints. It's limited in its exercise in the public assembly. Paul already said, I wish you all you Corinthians spoke in tongues. I wish all of you did, knowing full well that they didn't. But in that desire for them to speak out in those tongues, those unknown languages, that that spiritual language under the Lord, in that desire he says, but I really want you to prophesy. I really want you to speak some words that people can understand that they might be built up as they come together. He says in verse six now, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life. And he gives the example. He says, what good is it if I come to you and speak to you in a way you can understand me. If, I, if I'm exercising a gift that God understands and I don't even understand, I need the interpretation, what good is that for you? Can you imagine Paul as he was out on the mission field as we're following him in his church planning adventures in the book of Acts, just showing up to that riverside in Philippi there in Macedonia where the women are worshiping and just start babbling out in a tongue? Like, well, they're going, what? What, are you all right? We need to get you some help. Everything okay with you? because they're not saved yet nobody has the interpretation it would be better for him just to come like he did and just speak forth the word of god to speak forth the truth hey you guys i know you're worshipping god but let me tell you you're waiting for your messiah yes well let me tell you about that messiah he's already come and explain jesus to them that's how the church was planted and on the mission field we send people out to speak the language of the people and so when somebody's picked you know somebody is praying about going to a country and living there full time we Tell them, go get the Rosetta Stone and start studying. Because you want to communicate to them. You know, it would be okay for a while to have an interpreter. But without an interpreter, it's very, very hard. Have you noticed when, have you noticed this? I've noticed this. Whenever we're talking to someone where we don't know their language, we speak a little louder. Like, that's really going to help. Yes. And then we move our hands and, and they're just, okay. You need to know the language. Speaking forth words that they can understand. Here are the words that are understood. Revelation, knowledge, prophesying there in verse 6. Teaching. Great emphasis in our congregation is spent on the revelation of God's word. On speaking forth his word prophecy, exhortation, comfort, edification. We want to teach. We want this time to be a time of teaching so that you and I can learn. We wouldn't be under, just dismissed. So he gives very practical examples. Even things without life, even on, non, non-humans follow this principle. Whether it's flute or harp, when they make a sound, verse seven, how will it be, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? Those of you that are not musical, which are, how many of you are not musical? Don't you appreciate the people that are? I really appreciate that you're not on the worship team. <laughs> and neither am I. I, I. I watch them. I see them. Some of them don't even read music. They do all that by their ear. And I'm, I'm just so appreciative of the time that they spend, making sure they hit the right note, that they put that guitar thing in the right place and that the the sound and the harmonies and there's a lot of time spent. They're here a couple hours before service, just working together, serving together, learning how to work with one another because you'll notice over the times of worship, they're always interchanging one another. That's what's so special about our worship ministries. There's always interchanging and everybody gets a break and everybody gets to serve together. It's awesome. It just makes more room for people. But if you're not gifted musically, Please don't sign up. Because we need you to make a distinction. There are other things that you do that would profit the body. But he says, even in a flute, if you got up and go, here, uh, uh, you know, our flute player didn't come in today. Here, here you go. Uh, I don't know how. Just do it. Not for long. So even, even a flute, it has to make a distinction or it's just a noise. He says, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? How will the soldiers know if it's whether it's time to eat, time to get up, or battle time? Because the person with the trumpet has to make the right sound, understanding that that person isn't playing the trumpet for himself. He's not going out there for a solo on the trumpet and making a CD. Like the person that is, has the trumpet in the, in the military is there for everyone else in addition to himself. That's the point he's making. The person playing the flute is playing it for it to be enjoyed by everyone else, not themselves. He says in verse nine, so likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand. Unless you utter those words that are easy to understand, how will be known what is spoken for you will be speaking into the air. There are, verse 10, it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, again, he's concluding whenever he has these phrases, even so, so likewise. He's making the points and then we're going, yeah, I understand. Okay, now this is what it means for you. So even so, since you are zealous for spirituals, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. This is really the key. That on our hearts and minds, we want to help one another grow in the things of God. That's the key. That's the only reason why we're here. It's not for ourselves. It's not, Jesus did not come to take. Jesus came to give.
1: Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 1 Corinthians. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to calvaryco.church. You can then do a search for the passage we studied today. Have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Calvary Aurora. Another great app is the Grace FM Colorado app. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you're listening to means a lot. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. And please remember that abounding grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We simply can't do this alone. We look to the Lord for provision. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed's book, Ordinary Servant. No matter your background or years as a Christian, God can and wants to use you. You'll learn how in this wonderful book. You might even want to go through this with your small group at church. Again, we'll send you Ordinary Servant by Ed Taylor with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more today. Reach us at 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.